Welcome to Tales from Avastrum, Titan's Vengeance. Episode 2 <gasps> Jasper Glass woke with a start. It was rare he awakened without an alarm blaring in the background, but today was no ordinary day. Today is the day I graduate, he thought, and prove I belong on those missions. Jasper rolled out of bed and got ready. He made sure to put on his lucky tie and slipped his robes over his shoulders. On his way down to the dining hall, he ran into E.J. Bumble, headed in the same direction. They exchanged a meaningful nod, and both made their way to breakfast. Wordlessly, they chewed their food, studying last-minute notes and going over answers in their heads. At 8.45 a.m., they made their way to the deputy headmaster's office. Within a few minutes of arriving, Potion's professor and head of Lobostro House, Trent Vortigern, stuck his head out of the door and beckoned them to enter. We're ready for you. The two boys entered as Alator Boudreaux rose from his chair to address the assembled group. I hereby call to order today's graduation board. Typically, this board is held by the headmaster, deputy headmaster, and a representative from each house, usually the house head. In the absence of our headmaster, I shall fill his role. The role of deputy headmaster will in turn be filled by Polonius Aberfoyle. House representatives are as follows. Parador, Amelia Emberwick. Enigmas, Cristala Coles. Lebostro, Trent Vortiger. And for Calubre, Shadow Wiseacre. Jasper Glass, E.J. Bumble. This board is assembled to evaluate the knowledge you have gained while at Avistrum, both academic and otherwise, and determine if you are ready to graduate early. Do you wish to proceed? I do. I do. Alator crossed the room and stood in front of the boys, looking at each of them in turn before folding his hands behind his back. EJ, do you swear to answer each question to the best of your ability, and without the use of outside help such as memory-enhancing potions, communication charms, or legitimacy? Of course. Jasper, do you swear to answer each question to the best of your ability, and without the use of outside help, such as memory-enhancing potions, communication charms, or legitimacy? Jasper gave a quick laugh at the last word. <laughs> I do. Very well. Jasper, we'll start with you, EJ. Please wait outside until summoned. The questions began. In rapid succession, the professors peppered Jasper with a multitude of questions, asking him to demonstrate several examples of magic. He transfigured books into birds, cast a Patronus, a silver moose, and successfully apparated from one corner of the room to the other. They asked him details of his life that didn't pertain to magic as well, such as his experiences teaching, bartending, and being a student leader. When the clock hit 9.50, Professor Boudreaux asked Jasper to stop and leave the room. He gave a short nod and left while the professors conferred. Ten minutes later, Trent summoned EJ in to begin his examination. 
He demonstrated his ability to petrify and release Professor Boudreaux, created and destroyed several defensive wards, and gave a lengthy description on how to properly approach and care for a wounded chimera, among many other impressive feats of magic. At 10 minutes to 11, he was also asked to exit the room and wait outside. At 11 o'clock, both boys were summoned back in. Alator once again rose from behind his desk to address them. Gentlemen, both of you did very well today. EJ, you demonstrated a mastery of defensive magic, charms, and care of magical creatures. However, your knowledge of divination, herbology, and history of magic could use work. Alator then turned to Jasper. Jasper, your work in Defense Against the Dark Arts, Transfiguration, and History of Magic was fantastic. But you showed very poorly in potions and herbology, and, well, your care of magical creatures knowledge could use work as well. Both of you are accomplished duelists as well as strong leaders. You have never failed to assist Avastrum when we've needed you, and we are grateful for that. Today, it is the determination of this board by unanimous agreement that you cannot graduate. I'm sorry, gentlemen. You're dismissed. Jasper and EJ's faces fell. They had expected to do well in the subjects they had, and poorly in the ones they hadn't, but both boys had thought they'd pass. Dejectedly, they mumbled thanks to the assembled teachers and left the office. Jasper leaned against the wall opposite Professor Boudreaux's door and looked up at the ceiling while EJ slumped to the floor next to him looking straight ahead. Neither spoke. The door opened and Polonius exited mid-conversation with Trent. Well, I need to get back to the library. Mordecai found a section with codices older than anything we found yet. The professor stopped short on seeing the two boys. I didn't expect to see you both still here. Is everything all right? Both Jasper and EJ nodded, but didn't speak. The professors exchanged a knowing look. We'll leave you alone. I'm sorry, EJ. You'll get him next time, Jasper. The two instructors headed off down the hallway, Polonius towards the entrance to the labyrinth, and Trent turning towards the potions classrooms. After another minute or two, EJ sighed heavily and looked towards the head boy. Jasper, you okay? <laughs> no. You? Not particularly. It isn't fair, and it doesn't make sense. If any students deserve to graduate, it's us. We clearly have the knowledge and the experience. They let us teach classes. It's bollocks. They won't let us come on missions, but they'll let us help out back here. Either we're on the team or we're not. I just can't stand staying here when I know there's more I could be doing. And it's not fair for Boudreaux to be keeping us here. If the tables were turned and we were helping the headmaster look for Boudreaux, we'd have gone back in time ten times by now. Exactly. Now, the only way we would be able to go back is to actively defy Professor Boudreaux. Okay. I'm in. Let's sneak back in time. But 
How would that even work? I've got an idea. Part of one, at least. The next day, the extraction team members arrive to the time chamber, ready to learn of their mission and head to their next destination. Alator produced a small stack of black folders with DH emblazoned on them in gray ink and handed them out to Anastasia Boudreau, Shadow Wiseacre, Craven Bloodthorn, and Scorpio Douglas. Ors, Maldraco Devante, and Storm Skovsgard made their way in just as Alator was beginning. Though he was out of the sling, Polonius was still nursing his shoulder injury. So while he was attending the briefing, he would not be going on the mission. All right, everyone, listen up. Based on Mr. Argiletum and Ms. Latrova's expert decoding work, oh, here you go, Maldrago, Storm. Thank you. Thanks. The destination today is the forest below Lespezi Mountain, near present-day Peshtera, Romania. Anastasia's head snapped up from her briefing packet. Whoa. Could we run into... It's a possibility, especially in that area. See the threat list in your packet. Great. That's all we need. Relax. I got your back, kid. Let's talk timing. We're headed back to June of 1660, right during a civil war. We need to stay low, stay hidden, and make our way to the extraction zone. Coordinates are marked on the map in your packet. As we know, this thing can drop us anywhere within three miles of our intended target, even if we've calibrated it correctly. We will make our way as quickly and as safely as possible to those coordinates where we should find Clark waiting, or at least close by. Now this is the largest extraction team we've ever had, so everyone will need to stay sharp and follow orders. Any questions? None came. The extraction team members finished scanning their packets and packed them away in their packs or pockets. All right, let's move out. Everyone ready? Okay, guys, be careful out there. We will, Cass. Don't worry. Polonius nodded at everyone and left the room. Yeah, let's do this thing. All right, let's fire it up. Shadow. Shadow lightly touched the armillary sphere on the center of the table, and it pulsed with a glowing energy. The room began to spin, the lights began to flash, and the members of the extraction team were sucked back in time. They appeared with a soft pop in a dark, dense forest where fog clung to the tree branches and swirled over the ground. What's dark? Should we cast some light? Not yet. We don't want to give away our position. Finite. Suddenly, Jasper and EJ came into full view of the rest of the team. Hey guys. Heard you needed some light. Lumos. Bright light burst forth from the tip of EJ's wand, enveloping the group in a soft glow. With the exception of Jasper and EJ, everyone's expression was one of shock. Swiftly, Alator's turned to rage. How in the name of Merlin did the two of you get here? Well, you see, Professor, EJ here has a wicked disillusionment charm, and I use my legitimacy to make up the difference and keep you from spotting us. Yeah, Shadow taught me the charm. 
comes in handy sneaking about. You weren't supposed to use it for something this absolutely stupid. Hold on, Jasper. You can use legitimacy to make yourself invisible. Hypothetically, kind of. I'm still very much visible, just influencing your subconscious to ignore scenes. It's complex stuff, especially when hiding for multiple people. Right, and the disillusionment charm doesn't make you entirely invisible either, so he doubled up. The legitimacy of that level is some pretty powerful stuff. Right? It's almost as if I might be of some use here. Nijay's charm works nothing to sniff at either, not to mention all his curse-breaking and dueling ability. Thank you, my friend. Sorry to break up the love fest here, but I should expel the both of you right here and now. Yeah, you probably should. But you won't. <laughs> and what exactly makes you so sure? Because then you won't be a professor charged with our care. You'll all but have to let us help look for Clark. We would just be concerned friends looking to help. Not to mention, I don't need to be able to read minds like Jasper to tell that you're impressed with us being able to sneak under your nose. <laughs> impressed? Impressed? Oh, you're right. I am impressed by your irresponsible half-wittedness. Guys, hate to interrupt, but we're burning daylight here. Or moon. Whatever. We have a job to do. Let's talk punishments later, okay? Maldraco's right, they're already here. We can't send them back without entirely abandoning the mission, and they've proven they might be useful. Jasper and AJ looked to Professor Boudreau and smiled. He, however, glared back through narrowed eyes. This conversation is far from over. You two understand me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Let's move out. The team started walking, wands drawn while surveying the area. Storm hung back a few steps so he could walk beside both Jasper and EJ. You realize Alator isn't the only one who's going to be having a conversation with you, right? This is absurd. Look, either of you could get hurt. And I feel like that falls on me. You're titans, and that means that you're under my protection. I care, okay? Storm reached out to put his hand on EJ's shoulder. Suddenly, the bright trails of spells lit up the darkness, shooting past the extraction team. One's ready. Close in. Instinctively, the team turned their backs to each other and backed up slowly, watching the forest with keen attention. A deep growling came from the nearby trees seconds before a dark figure burst forth. Storm's attention was on Jasper and EJ, and he didn't notice the dark figure making a beeline straight for him. Storm, move! EJ shoved Storm aside before he could react, and the figure crashed into EJ with astonishing force. EJ's wand flew down the path as another figure emerged from the dense underbrush. The creature shuffled over to the still-lit wand, slowly reaching down to pick it up. The wan light danced across the curled lip on his horrible face before, at the stranger's beckon. Nox. The wan light extinguished and the night went dark.
It's over, father. Your armies are smashed. Your titans have scattered. Surrender now. Give up the scythe, and we will let you go into exile. Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades stared up at their father, whose gray hair cascaded down his shoulders, a gleaming golden crown on his brow. He glowered back at them with steely gray eyes. You cannot defeat me, boy. I am the lord of time itself. Do not delude yourself, father. You are just a man, like any other. Fool! There is no other like me. Kronos began slowly twirling his mighty scythe. Time slowed to a crawl. The three brothers struggled to move forward as though they were swimming against the swiftest current they had ever faced. Slowly, every inch a struggle, Zeus brought his staff above his head. A ferocious lightning bolt pierced the bright blue sky, striking Kronos. The spell lifted for just a moment, and Poseidon, with a tremendous heave, threw his trident with all his might. It struck Kronos' scythe, which flew from his hand. Hades rushed up the hill as their father staggered back, placing the tip of his sword under the titan's chin. Give up, father. Let us have no more bloodshed. Kronos spat in his face. Ah, you might have won this battle, but I will return and take what is mine. You can count on that. I was afraid you would say that. Hades drew back his blade. Hades, no! And with a single swing, took their father's head from his shoulders. Hades, brother. What have you done? We all knew it would come to this. We knew it 20 years ago when we went into exile. Poseidon picked up his trident and looked down at his father's scythe. And what shall we do with this? It is powerfully evil. I can feel it. Hephaestus, can it be unmade? The armorer struggled up the path to them, leaning heavily on his crutch. He peered at the scythe intently, then reached to pick it up. Ah! Almost immediately, he dropped it again. There is much evil in that weapon, my lord. I fear what would happen were I to destroy it. It must be kept hidden away, then. No one can be allowed to use it to take back our father's throne. There is a network of caverns to the south of here. One so deep in the earth and with so many rooms that a man could get lost for days. I will take the scythe and hide it, and I and my children will guard it. We will not allow it to be used again. <laughs> I'm not sure Persephone would like that, going to live in the depths of the earth. <laughs> I'm sure you're right, but this must be done. Perhaps she can spend the summer months with her mother. Hades bent to pick up the scythe. It was cool to his touch. How are you able to hold it? It almost burnt my hand off. I work in a forge. My hands are like leather. Perhaps it is because we are of my father's bloodline. 
I make this solemn pledge to you, my brothers. My descendants will guard this weapon and keep it from ever being used again for as long as my line shall last. Fascinating. So that must be the origin of the myth of Hades as the Lord of the Underworld. Said Arithmancy Professor and Head Librarian Mordecai Argeletum. Anastasia nodded and raised a finger while still looking at her book. So it looked like many years later when Daedalus built the labyrinth, he accidentally connected the caverns of Hades. That's why our titans were able to access the scythe. She looked up at the other two. So the scythe isn't just powerful, it's evil. And Clark didn't know because he never got fully inducted as a guardian. Wait, if Hephaestus couldn't touch it, why can we? We aren't descendants of Hades. I'm guessing it's because it's broken. There's a shard missing, remember? So when the scythe broke, it releases evil energy and now it's preventing us from reaching Clark? Or it's attacking him and he can't stay in one place long enough for us to get to him. Either way, Clark is in danger. If we don't find a way to help him... Clark could meet his ancestor Hades sooner than he thought. The narrator is played by Stephanie Prue. Trent Vortigern is played by Eddie Detlefs. Alatoa Boudreau is played by Cody Miller. Jasper Glass is played by Jesse Davis. EJ Bumble is played by Lainey Flanagan. Polonius Aberfoyle is played by Chad Patton. Maldraco Devante is played by Matt Sumpter. Storm Scovesguard played by Stormy Cohn. Anastasia Boudreau is played by Rachel Finley. Shadow Weisiger is played by Haley Munoz. Scorpio played by Mike Ashley. Craven Bloodthorn is played by Joshua Thomas. Zeus is played by Matthew Bianchi. Kronos is played by Chad Patton. Hades is played by Matthew A. Clark. Poseidon played by Mike Ashley. Hephaestus is played by Barrett Giant. Mordecai Argeletum is played by Barry Ludwig. Join us next time for episode three of Tales from Avastrum, Titan's Vengeance. For more info, please visit our website at www.avastrum.org, visit our Facebook page, or search for Avastrum on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, stand tall and raise your wands high.